and thank you for that. Uh, definitely the answer is he is. Amen. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Good to see you. It's already been mentioned that our pastor is uh, uh, having some vacation time, much deserved, might I add. And uh, we always miss him when he's not here. And uh, we always acknowledge, you know, that uh, uh, his absence. But uh, in addition to that, let me just add this. There's always the woman behind the man. Sister Chapel, if you're watching, we miss you too. <laughs> Especially in my Sunday school class. I almost feel like anybody can miss but Sister Sue. Uh, just, uh, she is the most missed person when she's not there. So, uh, Sister Chapel, we uh, uh, know that you are also enjoying a much-deserved vacation and some time for rest, uh, but let you know we, we do miss you. Uh, Easter is over. Now what? Our scripture reading for today is found in the book of Acts, chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 9. Uh, I see the clock is not on the wall. Is that for me? So that I so I can see real close what's going, what time it is. Uh, it, it, you uh, Baptist preachers, seminary preachers, uh, a lot of them, they're taught, they're trained. You know, you do a five or 10 minute introduction and then maybe a 20 or 30 minute uh, uh, three point sermon. Uh, today, I'm gonna do like a 20 minute introduction and maybe a five minute three point sermon. So bear with me as we get the introduction going here. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he, talking about Jesus, was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Like I said, Easter 2022 is, it's in the books. And I got to thinking and recalling the uh, uh, the the church's celebration and uh, of Resurrection Sunday, the events leading up to it, there was a lot of pre preparation and time and work went into it. You know, I thought about the the community outreach with the Easter egg hunt and uh, the the hard work of preparing and actually executing that, and then uh, come to uh, Resurrection Sunday, the that time and effort that went into our early morning service, and I. I was really glad to see that back. It just kind of sets Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday apart as something special, something out of the ordinary, something different than what we normally do. So I enjoyed the, the early morning service, the breakfast that was prepared for our morning fellowship, the work that went into that. And, and, and then the, we had some special decorations, some Easter lilies around the building and uh, things that we don't even know that happened that happened Preparing for Easter, uh, we appreciate that, and we recognize that even our pastor did a sermon series that led us up to, to Easter. He started off with the, uh, you know, the events in the Garden of Gethsemane with the kiss of betrayal, 
And then he went from that to the, the crucifixion and the cross as he preached to us the topic, I've been to Calvary. And then finally concluded with the Sunday morning service, the good news of the gospel about the resurrection of Christ. And uh, so everything kind of culminated on that Easter morning and that Easter service. Uh, and it was mentioned uh, during this season. Easter is the most significant of Christian holidays. The most significant. And you know, I thought about that. Why? Why Easter? Why the resurrection? Why Resurrection Sunday? And I thought about, you know, uh, we celebrate Christmas. Uh, worthy of celebration, most definitely. Uh, you know, after all, Christmas is the celebration of the virgin birth of Jesus and uh, the Savior being given to the world. Uh, I think Christmas is probably the most celebrated, but why do we not call it the most significant? And, and I was thinking, you know, there, there are still those skeptics that could say, you know what, there were babies born every day. Nothing special about one being born down in Bethlehem. And skeptics could say, well, maybe there is a possibility. Maybe, maybe Mary, she just deceived us all. Maybe she wasn't a virgin. And maybe that baby born wasn't special. Uh, no, there's still the, the skeptics. And we thought, thought about, okay, well, what about Good Friday? It, it seems like it doesn't get much recognition out of the crucifixion. We should celebrate. That's where the price and the, the debt was paid for our sins, that we could find forgiveness. Why is the crucifixion not the most significant event in Christian history? Again, you know, the skeptics could say men were crucified all the time. It wasn't un, nothing unusual. In fact, the day Jesus was crucified, there were two others crucified with him. See, it, it takes an element of faith to accept that this wasn't the ordinary crucifixion of an ordinary man, that it was the price of our salvation. It was the price for our forgiveness. It takes a little bit of faith, and still it leaves room for the, the skeptics to say, it's just a man, just a man that convicted and hung on a tree. Uh, but Easter, the resurrection, the day that he came out of the grave, it was significant because it was uniquely significant. Yeah, babies were born, men were crucified, but who rose from the dead and walked among the people for 40 days and 40 nights? Didn't happen before. Didn't happen before. It was unique. Uh, and, you know, what, does, what can the skeptics do with this? Because if you look in verse 3 in Acts chapter 1, talking about Jesus, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion by many, what, infallible proofs, being seen 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What do the skeptics do with that? Now, that didn't happen every day. And it's because of the resurrection, because of its uniqueness, then we can have confidence in the evidence that the virgin birth was a real thing. That the crucifixion actually was 
the payment for our sins. It's because of the resurrection that now we have confidence in our other Christian holidays that they are indeed what the Bible says that they are. So it was unique, and it made it the most significant. So uh, we think about we celebrate the most significant of Christian events and Christian holidays. But I was reading this in in first chapter of, of Max of Acts and was thinking these men that were gathered on the Mount of Olives that day, they weren't just celebrating the most unique event in Christian history. They were experiencing it. They were actually experiencing it. They were the ones that the resurrected Jesus had appeared to spent time with for these 40 days they're the ones that stood there when he was just taken away and they experienced the most significant event in I wouldn't just say Christian history but in world history in all of history the most significant they were experiencing and I was thinking as they stood there and we see these men gazing up into the clouds the angels, two angels appeared and had to tell them, why stand looking up? Uh, and I wonder if they thought in their minds, it's over. You know, he was resurrected and now he's gone. It's over. What now? <laughs> the angels had to kind of remind them, what are you doing looking up? Three points I, I want to make as, as we look at these guys. First one, even though it's over, it's not over. You, know, the, you ever notice that significant events in our lives, when they're over, they're not over? Uh, we were reminded Wednesday night, and I still got the Band-Aids on my toes. Weddings. Uh, all the preparations that go into a wedding. Uh, have the privilege I'll be performing the ceremony for a young couple coming up in July and got to talk with them and counsel them and ask, you know, has this been difficult? Yeah, getting ready for it. It's hard. It's hard. All the work, you know, the planning, the music, the venue, the food, the uh, rehearsals and all of it and they said this is this is tough and, and I told them you know getting married is tough but when the wedding is over it's not over getting married is hard but wait till you start trying to be married it's not over I, getting married is it's tough Janet now we had a pretty small ceremony but it, it, it was tough uh, Getting married was hard. Being married is harder. It's not over when it's over. Uh, how about when you bought your first house? Uh, you saw this listing, went and did the, the tour, worked with a real estate agent. What are we going to offer? Got to make a decision, do something, offer something, sign a piece of paper that says, here's our offer. Sit and wait. Is my offer accepted? Maybe some negotiations. And finally, you come down to closing day, and they come out with this stack of papers about that tall. You know, it's no wonder they give you the pen at the end of that. 
There's no more ink left in it. <laughs> it's dry. You sign your name for hours. And finally, whew, it's over. You're a homeowner. Is it over? It ain't over. <laughs> About a month later, you're going to make that first mortgage payment. Uh, won't be long until uh, something in that house is going to be broken, and you're going to have to fix it. See, when it's over, it's not over. It was a significant event when we bought our first house. What a job. Uh, for any homeowner, it's never over. Home ownership is never over. Uh, significant event. Some of us look at the birth of our children as significant. And it is very significant. You know, the going through the nine months of uh, uh, waiting for the day, uh, what the women had to go through for those nine months, uh, and what they put their husbands through for those nine months. But finally, the day comes. <laughs> the event is here. The baby's born. Everybody's fine. Everybody's healthy. Baby has ten fingers, ten toes. We'll be going home soon. It's over, right? No, it's not over. Uh, becoming a parent is hard. Being a parent is harder, and that job doesn't end. So significant events in life, even though it's over, it's not over. And so I thought about these guys gathered on the Mount of Olives, and maybe they looked up, and they had just experienced this great event, and Jesus is now taken away from them. They don't know what's next. It's over. But was it over? Was it over for these men? Uh, I'll leave this with you. There are always lingering effects from great events. And the lingering effects of the resurrection on these disciples changed and formed history. And that's true. The lingering effect of this event on those disciples it changed and formed history. I would say that the effect of that event on these disciples reaches all the way to this service, April 24, right? 7, 24, 2022. Did I get the date right? The effects on those disciples, lingering effects, changed history formed history, brought us to this day. When it's over, it's not over. The lingering effects go on. And I was thinking, uh, all the significant events in our lives, the, the home ownership, the, the getting married, the having children, some of us may have been graduating school, what do we consider the most significant event in our life? The most significant. Uh, was it the day we got married? Uh, for believers, I'm convinced the day that we came to know the Lord, the day of our salvation, that is the single most significant event in our lives, without a doubt, because the lingering effects of that forever changed and formed our future. The events of that day changed our lives forever, formed our own destiny and our own history. 
So when we think about our own salvation experience, uh, and everybody's experience is different. Everybody's is unique. I know in my, my experience, it, it had its beginning. I, I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. I'd been to church plenty of times. I'd w heard without really listening to preacher preach plenty of times. But one Sunday morning, I heard the gospel. And after that was the, the wooing of the Holy Spirit and the feeling of conviction and fear. Uh, I was young, still had a little stubborn streak. I rejected it. So there was a process of that conviction that stayed with me. And, and finally on Mother's Day in Reveal May 1969, uh, in church on a Sunday morning, couldn't wait for that preacher to shut up and give an invitation. Because something had to change. That process had to come to some kind of conclusion. And I, I can remember taking the first step toward the altar. Don't remember another one. Next one, I was on my knees praying, save me, save me. The only words that I knew. And he did. He did. Something changed that day in that process that made that the most significant event in my life. Changed my, changed my history. Uh, changed my future. Uh, that was the beginning of what the Bible calls our new walk, our being a new creature, uh, being born again. It was just the beginning. So even though that event was over, it wasn't over. I'm still experiencing that event every day every day i'm still experiencing and living the results and the lingering effects of that event and if you've been saved it's the same the same for you the day that you came to know the lord as your savior and you accepted him in salvation that was the single most significant event in your life and you're still feeling the effects of it today uh, just that's true for everybody so first point when it's over it's not over just like every other event in our life, it's, it's not over. Our salvation experience wasn't just the experience. So we know that it wasn't over. So these disciples that were standing here looking up, uh, when the angel told them it, it's not over, uh, makes, leads us to the question, how should we behave when it's over, but it's not over? How should we respond? What should be our response? What was the response of these 12 disciples as they looked up into heaven, looking, watching as Jesus went away and just staring into the clouds and the uh, two angels appeared? What was their response? Well, for them and for all of us, there's really only one response. How should we behave? Live in obedience. <laughs> I know. Uh, some of you are saying, preacher, you had me. Up until this point. But what's this obedience stuff? Don't want to hear that part. Don't start scolding me uh, about this obedience thing. But look at the disciples here. Uh, in verse 4, they had been told by Jesus of Acts chapter 1, and being assembled together with them, the disciples commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye, 
have heard of me. And then look down in verse 12, after the ascension, what did they do? And they returned unto Jerusalem. Instructions, stay in Jerusalem. Response, they returned to Jerusalem. They acted in obedience. Uh, just like for us after salvation, what should our response be? It is, it's, it's obedience. Uh, Jesus told us in verse John chapter two, 2, and he was talking to all of us here, and hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If we're obedient, if we're obedient, if we have truly had the most significant event happen in our lives, our response should be just one, it's obedience. Uh, and why, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? It's not a hard thing to be obedient to somebody that loves you so much. They died for you. That's not a hard thing to ask. Somebody that loves you so much, they only wish the very, absolute very best for you and for your life. Obedience shouldn't be a hard thing. Oh, it used to be a, a sign or a, the banner uh, in one of the classrooms back there. The, the most he could do was die for us. The least I can do is live for him. That's the least I can do. So obedience is really not a hard thing. And oh, we're studying uh, Peter, and I'll try not to step too much on upcoming lessons, but uh, Peter and his writings in First and Second Peter, he referred to Jesus on more than one occasion, not just as Savior, the Savior and Lord. And Lord, what's, what's that Lord part? What is a Lord? Lord is the master. That's the one that you behave or, or uh, be obedient to, the master. Not only is he the one that saved us, uh, but he also became our Lord. And I know a lot of people do. I say, I like that Savior part, but do I have to take that Lordship part? Well, if you take it or not, he's, he's still Lord. He's still the master if you accept it or not. And Peter kind of gave us a warning over here in Second Peter. For after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the what Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. So the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So it was kind of a, not just be obedient, but a warning. If we're not, and today we are, uh, we're called to be obedient. Uh, and obedience yields two things. Uh, the first thing it yields is blessing, God's blessing. The Bible is filled with promises of God. If you'll, if you'll obey me, I'll bless you. And examples of if you'll obey me, I'll bless you. And look at these, these disciples here at, uh, at Pentecost. Or at, uh, on the, the mountain. If we just go a little bit forward, some of the blessings in Acts 2, they experienced Pentecost. Uh, also, uh, I think I got my uh, chapters wrong. Uh, they had harmony and growth in the church. The Bible says even they had favor with all people. They saw a lame man healed. Uh, many were healed in the streets. And we can go on just the experiences, uh, spiritual experiences, positive things uh, that these uh, disciples saw because they were obedient. They went back to Jerusalem, just like uh, God, the, the Savior had told them to. And uh, so 
blessings. And what about us today? Uh, what blessings do we get for being obedient? And sometimes we're human, we're guilty. We think of blessings as material stuff. But God sometimes blesses with material stuff. But I think spiritual blessings far outweigh the material stuff. And that's what's promised us for be the spiritual blessings. Uh, you know, they received uh, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And we understand that the point of our salvation, that's available for us. But what are the fruits? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Think of these things that are in our life when we're obedient. Love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Did I get them all in order? <laughs> but that's available to us. The, the sweetness of a good fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's the blessing that's promised. And uh, uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible <coughs> is John 12, 26. Uh, I think most of us would say, we really do desire that God be honored by our lives. And that should be a, a worthy goal, that God is honored by how we live and what we do. Uh, but I like this. It says, if any man serve me, Jesus speaking, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be. And if any man serve me, this is him will my father honor. Amazing that God would look at an obedient servant and say, I honor that person. I honor that person. So what are the results of being obedient? Blessings, God's favor, spiritual blessings, and without a doubt, opposition. Opposition. Ever notice anytime you have something good happen? doesn't take long there's something trying to tear it apart something trying to un undo it uh, true for the disciples though they had experienced these great events uh, spiritual events acts 4 tells us you know put in the hold overnight acts 5 put in a common prison and beaten acts 7 even stephen one they'd chosen to be a deacon stoned. Uh, and we could go on. Uh, Peter and James put in prison. James lost his head. Uh, Paul was called, became a believer, and he had that unique, most significant event in his life where he met the resurrected Savior uh, and how God blessed him in his ministry. But Paul will tell you, opposition came. And it's the same for us today. Uh, anytime something good happens, opposition seems to come. And I can remember church camp is coming up. Uh, I can remember experiencing wonderful times at church camp. Uh, get on the bus, head back home, and it seems like before we even got home, people were arguing with each other. Uh, we were back to our normal social media and phones and church camp was over and it seemed like it was over uh something good happens there's always opposition to it. think about the time that you were saved after the first initial emotion of 
joy and relief. What followed behind that? Did you experience like I did? Satan saying, wasn't real. Nothing really happened. I mean, the most significant event in your life, and here's the opposition saying, didn't really happen. Uh, so expect it. Uh, and the disciples here, theirs came in the form of, of uh, opposing men, the Sanhedrin Council and the Jews of the day. Uh, but it's not really from men that opposes us. Uh, Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, once we become a believer and we become obedient, that is what we're going to face. It's just, it's going to come. Uh, First Peter again, chapter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, so even though we've had the most sig significant experience in our lifetime, it's not all roses, is it? Not all roses. First point was when it's over, it's not over. Second point, how do we behave during this time of it's not over, we're living in that time now, in obedience. And in obedience, we're going to receive God's favor, God's blessings, but we're also going to have opposition. And then the last point I want to make, one day it will be over. One day it will be over. Uh, the disciples here, they heard the message. said, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him, as ye have seen him go into heaven. Angels promised him. You know, and I thought about the life of a disciple. It had to have been a roller coaster ride, Right? Uh, I mean, the walking with Jesus and hearing his teaching and his preaching uh, and seeing his popularity and his ministry begin to explode had to have been just a, a mountaintop experience. And then one day Jesus begins to talk to him. I'm going down to Jerusalem. And he said, I'm, I'm going to die down there. They're going to take me and arrest me and they're going to kill me. Oh, it had to be just a heartbreaking uh, from a mountaintop experience to hearing Jesus that was so popular with the people saying, they're going to take me and they're going to kill me. And, and then they head down toward Jerusalem and he comes riding into town on this young donkey. And all the people shouting hosannas to him, laying palm branches down in front of him. How exciting that event, how eventful it was that, oh, they're going to accept him. And then three days later, the same crowd is saying, crucify this man. Crucify him. Uh, and they see the events of the, the crucifixion itself, the trial and the beatings, and finally the crucifixion. That had to have been such a low point in their life. And then they experienced the resurrection. 
seeing him alive again. And, and I wonder, as the 40 days went on, uh, just the spiritual mountaintop lasted 40 days, I wonder what was going through their mind. Did they think that this resurrection and his presence here on earth is just going to last forever? Uh, I mean, he's resurrected. Him. They, they didn't know what the future held. They didn't have any idea. Uh, and, and I thought, as they see him ascending into heaven, that had to have been scary. What next? What's going to happen next? Uh, and maybe they didn't know the future, but here the angel told them, said, no matter what the future is, he's coming back. He's coming back. No matter what the future holds, he's coming back. And today that is such a joy for us. If we look at John chapter 14, it said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. Listen to this promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And I don't know about you, but living in the, that time that it's over, but it's not over, that in-between when it will be over, uh, sometimes it's, it's kind of worrisome. You don't know what the future's going to hold. You don't know what events are ahead for us. And sometimes we have uh, trials, and sometimes we have sorrows in this life. Uh, sometimes it brings into doubt, you know, a lot of things and the promises of, of uh, God through Jesus himself. We bring those things into doubt. But know this one thing. One day even this will be over. One day this will be over. And in Thessalonians, it's described how that's going to take place. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And in the next verse, wherefore comfort one another with these words. I mean, it should be a comfort, it should be a joy to us to, to realize one day it will be over. One day it will be. One day Jesus will be coming back. And uh, uh, Brother Chapel tells us it'll either be by the the clod route or the cloud route. Uh, and, you know, it would be okay with me if I were still alive when it happened. That I'd just be changed and taken up. Uh, but if it's not that, and the, they lay me in the ground somewhere or, or burn me to ashes and put my vase somewhere on somebody's mantle, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> One day Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for me. Coming back for you. One day this, this will be over. It is, it's a great comfort to know that that event's coming. It's a great joy to know that event's coming. This life sometimes can scare us to death. This life can be hard. And sometimes we don't understand. And sometimes we don't know what the future's holding. But one thing is steadfast and sure Jesus promised it. It will be over. 
one day it will be over. In conclusion, let me ask these questions. First and foremost, in your life, have you experienced the most significant event that could ever happen in your life? Have you had that experience? Have you experienced the resurrection for yourselves? You know, Brother Chapel taught or preached the lesson, I've been to Calvary, uh, and he said, you know, uh, uh, wasn't there the day that they crucified Jesus. And I, I didn't witness that. But through faith, I got to experience that. And through faith, I got to experience the resurrection. That was the day that I accepted Jesus, the most significant thing. Is that, has that happened in your life? Have you accepted him? If not, get that fixed. Get that done. That's first and foremost. That's the most important thing that you could ever do is get that fixed. And uh, second question is, if you have experienced that, are you living in obedience? Um, I'll throw this in for good measure. It just popped in my mind. Maybe it was meant for somebody. For me, the first act of, of obedience after I accepted Jesus was baptism. Now, that was the first thing the Spirit led me to do after I got saved. And that's the first thing that I could respond in obedience to being baptized. Maybe you're here today and that's where you're at. I don't know. Like I said, that just came to my mind and that was free. If, it, if it's meant for you, then it's meant for you. So are you, are you living in obedience? Uh, and I know life is hard. Uh, and sometimes we experience the opposition. Uh, seems like more than we do the blessing. But when you lay your head on your pillow at night, can you find peace? Can you find comfort? Uh, in the middle of the storms, when, when Paul said, you know, in the middle of my tri tribulations and my trials, that I find joy in that. Are you finding joy in your tribulations? Are you finding the blessings of joy, the blessings of peace, the blessings of comfort? And if you say, I'm just overwhelmed, let me challenge you, look, look at your obedience and see how that, how that measures up. Uh, last thing, are you, are you prepared for the Lord's return? It's promised. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Is it come and get us a verse of invitation. Uh, I don't know if this has meant much to you, but uh, I, I was thinking, you know, we're, we're living in that, uh, that time. I'm living in that time. You're living in that time when uh, it's over, but it's not over. We're experiencing that now, and I uh, was thinking the, the challenges of, of what's it, our marriages, our home ownership, raising kids, those challenges. We have the same spiritual challenges in our life, do we not? Uh, the lingering effects of that time we accept, we have those challenges. Let's all stand together. Maybe you're here and just a little overwhelmed by the challenges uh, overwhelmed and you just need to come and bring it to the Lord I remember a, a, a man in the Bible a prophet had received a letter from his enemies with a promise I'm going to come down and destroy you and this just overwhelmed the prophet what did he do he just took it down to the temple laid the letter on the altar just left it with God Sometimes we need to do just that. Life is overwhelming. Just bring it, lay it on the altar. 
present it to God. Whatever the Spirit is leading you for this morning, this invitation is